Welcome to Asante Church. My name is Alex Dennis, and I have the honor of serving as lead pastor here. And this morning, we are jumping into a new sermon series. It's actually an old sermon series. We're kind of coming in at halftime here. Last summer, um, our first summer in the school here, we started a series called Summer on the Mount. And this entire series is based off of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preaches in Matthew 5 through 7. And so today we're going to be picking up in Matthew 6, verse 19. But before we really dive in today, we kind of have to paint the picture of what's taking place here. You see, Jesus has gathered quite a following at this point in his ministry. And so he is on the side of this mountain. The acoustics would have been great, but the teaching setting would have been completely different than what we experience here on a Sunday morning. You see, on a Sunday morning, I stand here and you sit there. We play a little Christian hokey pokey in between. You stand up, you sit down, you put your right foot in, you pull your right foot out, and then I preach, and then we worship some more. You stand up, sit down, all of that kind of thing. But what the teaching setting that Jesus was in is Jesus would have been sitting down and his disciples would have been gathered around him and then the crowds around them and he would have preached this sermon. And so he is preaching to his followers, but knowing that outside of his followers, the crowds are still overhearing it. And what is he preaching on? He is expanding the reality of discipleship to the people that are following him. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, this is what it takes to follow me. And he's saying that being a disciple of his is lived in the presence and the power of the kingdom of God. And that's not just something that you do as Jesus is teaching. It's not just something that we do here on a Sunday morning, but this is everyday life in the everyday world. And so that's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. And today we're jumping in right in the middle of chapter 6. And so what is taking place today before we jump in? We see today that Jesus is addressing how righteousness, the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven is displayed in the lives of believers, in his followers. And today what Jesus is saying specifically is the first half of this statement and that is choose your master. Are you going to choose God, or are you going to choose wealth? Are you going to choose faith, or are you going to choose worry? And so this morning, we cover that first statement. Are you going to choose God, or are you going to choose wealth? To boil it down even more, put it in Jesus' own words, Jesus is asking, are you going to store up your treasure here on earth, or are you going to store up your treasure in heaven? So, if you're uncomfortable right now, that's okay. Are we talking about money today? Yes, we are talking about money. Everybody just breathe in with me. And breathe out. Okay. It's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. I think really what I want us to realize today is that our finances are such an important, crucial part of our discipleship. And I know some churches like to talk about money all the time, and anytime you come in, you're going to get beat over the head three times with how much you need to give, where you need to give, and all of that. That's certainly that's not my style. That's not our style. I think I've gone the opposite direction, that God has always provided, and we just haven't talked about money much. But when it comes up in Scripture, we talk about it. And I think a part of that is I've failed you as a pastor and realizing that that is a, an aspect of discipleship. This is something that we need to talk about. This is something that isn't taboo. We don't need to feel all weird when we talk about money. I certainly don't in my personal life. And so today, we're going to get some discipleship. 
when it comes to our finances. And so, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we're not going to be flipping all over the place like we have been the past few weeks. We're going to be right here at the feet of Jesus today. And so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. We're going to be in Matthew 6. We're going to be in verses 19 through 24. Go ahead and turn your Bible on. You can flip there, however you need to do it. If you don't have a Bible, we have them out there in the uh, welcome area for you. If not, it'll be on the big screen up here. Matthew six nineteen through 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, What Jesus is saying here ultimately to make it simple is what you treasure shows what you value. What you treasure shows what you value. So because what you treasure shows what you value, Jesus is saying don't store up treasures here on earth. Why? Because money dies. Money can buy things. It can purchase a brief moment of happiness. I wouldn't even say that it's joy because it's usually not lasting. And then it's gone. Jesus is saying these things won't last. If they do last, these things can be stolen from you. Now we all have ring doorbells now so we can see people as they steal things from us. I saw a clip on YouTube this week. It was pretty awesome. This isn't in my notes, so if we wonder, I'll I'll get back on track. It was this dude. He uh, stole a TV from a guy's house. And the guy, I don't know, it must have been like up north. He didn't defend his house. And so... He stole his TV, and then he went out to get his TV, and he said, hey, man, that's my TV. And the guy that was stealing the TV said, well, it's my TV. And then the guy that it was actually his TV tried to take it back. It fell over into a bush. It shattered. And then the guy that tried to steal his TV said, well, great, now nobody can watch TV. And the guy whose TV was broken in the bush said, well, that was my TV to start with. You know, it was just, I don't know, that was random, but... If you put a lot of value in your TV, you never know when a very wordy thief might sneak into your house and try to take it from you. What Jesus is saying is instead, store up treasure in heaven. Now, why do we do that? Because when we store up treasure in heaven, those things last forever. Those things cannot be taken from us. And so, as we do often, as we read through Scripture, we need to take inventory of our hearts. We need to take inventory of our treasure. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we storing our treasure? Where are you storing your treasure? Is it in things that will be destroyed by the elements? Is it in things that can be stolen from you? Is it in accounts where its value is determined based off of the dollar? Is it based on the current status of the stock market? Is it based off of some kind of coin? whether it's a Bitcoin, a Dogecoin, a whatever coin. That's cryptocurrency, in case you're wondering what words are coming out of my mouth right now. That's the cool new stocks, okay? Are we putting our treasure, are we investing in things that only last a short amount of time, that are like the junk food of life? It comes with a quick rush, and in the end, we're just worse off because of it, with less resources. Or... Are we storing our treasure in heaven, where it's safe from wear and tear, where it's safe from the elements? We don't have a lot of rust down here, certainly not on our vehicles, from salt and snow in the road, but is it safe from dust? 
I've seen dust do a lot more damage out here than some rust around here. So, especially in this beginning of monsoon season, where are you investing? Is your stuff safe? Is it going to last? Can it be taken from you? Because in heaven, it will never be taken from you. In heaven, its value is not based off something that changes every single day, every single hour, every single minute. But its value, its treasure, is based on an unchanging God. And instead of like here on earth where we only enjoy it for a time, where a new house is only a new house before it starts having problems, and hopefully you got the warranties. If not, you're probably fixing it yourself. In heaven, it lasts for an eternity. Its joy, its happiness can be enjoyed for the next lifetime. And so we have to ask our question now, if we are to store up treasure, not on earth, but in heaven, then how do we do that? How do we do that? And I think if we're going to find the answer for that, we have to go to Jesus. We have to go to Jesus and what he said in Matthew 5 and 6 up until this point. And Jesus said, if you want to store up treasure in heaven, then that means that you must suffer persecution for my name's sake. Now, not for Alex's name's sake, but for Jesus' name's sake. It says that, Matthew 5, 12. Matthew 5, 46, Jesus says, love your enemies. You love your enemies, you're going to store up treasure in heaven. If you want to build up treasure in heaven, Matthew 6, 2 through 4, give generous gifts to the poor. Trust God with what he has entrusted to you. If you want to store up treasure in heaven, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, 5 through 6, pray and pray sincerely. Don't just brush God off and rush into everything else. Sit down, get quiet, get undistracted and pray to him. You want to store up treasure in heaven? Practice humble fasting. When's the last time you fasted about something? I think about fasting. I think as believers so often we think of fasting as like, oh, that's Christian 201 or that's Christian 301. I just came to know Jesus like 30 years ago. I'm not ready for that yet. Or I just came to know Jesus a year ago. I just came to know Jesus six weeks ago. I'm not ready for that yet. We look at fasting like it's some kind of advanced thing in the walk of life with Jesus, but it's not. It's basic. Ask yourself the question, is what I'm praying about more important than my next meal? If it is, maybe you should position yourself in the physical realm in a way that it's going to make an impact in the spiritual realm. Maybe you should deny yourself of your physical needs and ask God to intercede so that he can meet your spiritual needs. It's just a meal. Start small. Maybe you just fast from snacks one day. That would save my pantry door a lot of heartache. Maybe it's a meal. Start small and grow from there. Jesus is saying, these are the things that are worth treasuring. These are the things that transfer from this life over into the next. These are the things that are worth investing in. And then we go from verse 20 or 19 or no 20 into 21 and I think there's a good transition here and another parable that Jesus tells in another gospel the gospel of Luke that kind of helps transition us between verse 20 and 21 and it's going to be Luke 12 16 through 21 this will be one of two jumps we do this morning you can turn there if you want if not it's on the screen it says and he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? Verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, if we store up our treasure here on earth, if that is our focus, if that is where our hearts are, if that is where our will, our energy, our minds are, then we will not be rich toward God. In all actuality, we're letting everyone else see so much more transparently, hey, this is the condition of my heart. The condition of my heart isn't solely one over of my love for Jesus and my submission in all things in my life and my obedience to him. No, instead, I got to get a couple more of these things from my collection here. You know, there's a new iPhone that just came out and I really need to get that. You know, there's a little bit more space on this side of the wall and that side of the wall. I could really use a bigger TV right now. Or, hey, those Teslas are looking pretty hot. I could really use an upgrade in my vehicle. No. We store up our treasures here on earth. We will not be rich toward God. And as believers, we have been called to be rich toward God. God's desire for us is to trust him with the things that he has entrusted us with. So if you are a believer in this room today, or if you have yet to put your faith in Jesus, no matter where you are, either side of that spectrum, your financial resources are a gift from God. Whether you believe or not, your money, the things that have been given to you, your wages, those are a gift from God. But as believers, things are different for us. See, the world, because they have not come into an encounter with Jesus, they are not, they will be responsible for that one day, but they are not responsible with the decisions in which they make with their money. But as believers, we have responsibility with the things God has entrusted to us. And so how do we entrust the resources he's given us back to him? And the first thing is we are called to display the kingdom. Now, we say this at the end of every one of our services, and that's not a mantra, that's not a chant that we say, get all weird about things, that's about money. No, that is a reminder to us as believers that we are to display the kingdom. The kingdom has come. It is our job as believers to display the kingdom to other people. And so with our resources, are we giving to the poor? Are we meeting the needs of others? Are people experiencing heaven on earth because of the way we are using our finances? That's the first of our responsibilities as believers. The second of our responsibilities and how we spend and how we use our monies is to invest them into gospel advancing organizations. 
by supporting things that take the gospel into the world. What is God's number one plan for taking the gospel into the world? It's the local church. This is why giving, tithing is so important. Now, it's not just the local church. There are so many other organizations that take the gospel out into the world. And it is important to invest in those two. And so to really make this clear and how this looks and just putting this into application, I want to get just completely transparent with you guys. I want to share with you how we manage money in our home because I believe it is a way that is God-honoring. I believe that we are obedient to Jesus with what he has entrusted to us. And so what I want to share with you is that 11% of everything that comes in to our home goes right back out. That means everything that comes into our house, everything I make from me working here at the church, everything I make from any side job that I work, anything that Rachel makes from working a couple part-time jobs outside of this, we take the first 11% of all of that, and we have fought to get that to 11%, and we hand that back over to the Lord. And we do that by tithing and giving to this church. I want you to know that I would never stand up here and say, hey, we need to do this, we need to be about this, if I'm not going to lead the way myself. And so for many years, we have sacrificed. For many years, we have shared Netflix accounts. For many years, we have fought to get to a place where we can raise that. At the beginning of our marriage, we were just giving 10% of everything that came into the church. Finally, over the last few years, we were able to get that to 11%. And just recently, we took it to 12%. And so now, there's another 1% of our gross annual income, before taxes, before anything like that, that we give to other mission organizations, to missionaries, to church planters, to organizations that advance the gospel. And so that's, that's our home. Jesus says, build up your treasure in heaven, not on earth. That means we use the money that he gives us in order to do that. And we trust it to the local body. We trust it to the church. Not just because we get to help make decisions on what that looks like, but because we seek Jesus and what he's doing around our community. We know that we are one of the only gospel presences in this community right now. In order to reach people with the hope of the gospel, it's going to take resources to do that. So what we are saying is, here we are, God. Anything that you trust us, we're going to trust back to you. It's coming right back to you. And so that's just us as a family. I also want you to know what that looks like as a church. I want you to know that 11% of everything that comes in through local congregational giving So that means you giving on the way out in the giving box on Sunday morning, you giving online. If it's from our church, not from an outside partner church that's helping us, it's from our church, 11% of that is going right back out. 6% of that is going to help churches across the state of Arizona just like us. 1% of that is going to churches across the valley, West Valley, East Valley, any part of the valley, to help churches that are just like us, church plants and established churches. 1% of that is going to help Valley Life North Peoria, which is a church plant 20 minutes down the road. But there's no gospel presence in that community, and they are meeting that need and reaching people. We want to see that happen. It's been our dream since we planted this church. We want to be a church plant that becomes a church. And all along the way, we want to be a church that plants churches. So any way we can do that, even if it's just 1%, of what we're bringing in. We want to help someone else do what God has enabled us to do through the generosity and through the giving of others. 
There's another church plant we help. It's about 50 minutes away, and it's Village Hope Church in Levine Village, just south of Phoenix. And there's 1% of all of our money that we put aside from local congregational giving that goes into a savings account that one day, when God calls us to, when God brings people together, when God raises up a pastor, we are going to send a chunk of this church out to plant another church in a community that doesn't have Jesus. Why? Because we get to be a part of the kingdom. Because we get to be a part of a bigger story. Because there are people out there that are going to die and go to hell if they don't get the hope of the gospel. If they never realize that Jesus gave their life to clean them, to set them in right relationship with God, to give them his righteousness so that he could take their sinfulness so that they could be with the Father for an eternity. And I think that's worth it. I think that 1%, all those 1%, all that 6%, I think it's worth it. So why do we do it? Because we want to be a church that has kingdom impact. We want to be a church that God can entrust resources to so that there's a better kingdom and eternal benefit. Why do we do it? Because we want to see the gospel advance on darkness. So there's a reason we trust back to God what he has entrusted to us in our resources. And we see this in Matthew 6, verse 21. This is it, baby. If you're, if you're going to put it on a coffee mug, if you're going to put it on the back of your car, get a little bumper sticker, this is it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So now, what you treasure shows where your heart is. And so where is your heart? What is the heart? Now, Jewish literature, the heart refers to the center of a person's being. The heart involves your emotions, it involves your reason, it involves your will. It's all-encompassing. And so, where your treasure is shows where your heart is. And so where is your heart? Let's do a heart check real quick, a little EKG right now. You, me, everybody here. Do your mood swing change? Does your mood swing and change based off of the stock market? If your stocks go down, are you going to be grumpy the rest of the day? Well, I think if that's the case, then we know where your heart is. Your heart is set on your money. Do you make decisions solely based on finances, on raises, on income increases? Now, don't get me wrong here. There's a difference between throwing all that out caution to the wind. There's a difference. We need to have wisdom and discernment as believers. But we don't make decisions solely based off of the finances we currently have. No, we make decisions based off of what God has told us to do, what God is calling us to do. So when we trust him with what he's entrusted to us, we can trust him to lead us when it comes to our finances. Or do you hold back in your giving? in fear that God will not provide for you? Does a lack of money cause you fear and cause you anxiety? God promises he's going to take care of you. He says over and over, you can't test me anywhere else but in your finances. Trust me here, I'll show up for you here. And so, you've answered the question, what is the heart for us? It's the core of who we are. We've answered the question, where is my heart? Hopefully, we found where it is. Hopefully, we've identified that but now we need to look at the heart of God. Because the heart of God is generosity. John 3.16, maybe some of you know it. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's it. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't hold back. He opened up heaven. He sent his son to a manger to live the perfect life, to die for our sins that couldn't, we could never pay for. God in his love for us sent Jesus, and if we believe him, then we don't get hell that we deserve, but instead we get eternal life with him in heaven. So for us, this reframes generosity completely. So in order for us to build up treasure in heaven in the first place, generosity had to be displayed on God's behalf for our benefit. So when Jesus is saying here, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is, Jesus is saying to live generously. Jesus is not saying to live generously knowing that he wouldn't take the cross. Jesus wasn't saying to live generously, trying to scheme up a way where he wouldn't have to die for our sins. No, Jesus is saying live generously, meaning and knowing that he would have to give his life. And there is no generosity greater than that. So with that definition of generosity being reframed, rethink this with me. Where is my treasure? Is it in things? Is it in Jesus? If Jesus is my treasure, then he enables me to build up treasure on an eternal sense. So am I living generously? Where am I investing? Am I just hoarding my wealth for myself? Or am I loving and serving him with what he has entrusted to me? Matthew 6, 22 through 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So verse 22, simply put, keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on God. Why? Because money lies. Money will always want you to serve it. Money will always be deceitful, cruel, and a fake God. And our eyes as humans in the flesh tend to wander back and forth from God to other things. And money will always have a tendency to be that other thing. Now, also in Jewish literature, the eye is similar to the heart. Jesus says it's a lamp, and a lamp reveals things through light. So the eye being a lamp reveals the quality of a person's inner life. The healthy eye has clear vision, and a clear vision suggests focus. Focus suggests loyalty and devotion to God. But the unhealthy eye That's seeing double vision. That's looking at this thing over here and that thing over there. That is impaired vision, focusing on two things at the same time. And impaired vision is suggesting moral corruption. Verse 23, simply put, it's saying, be on guard against self-deception. A theologian, Charles L. L. Quarles, says it like this, when greed forces out any trace of inner good and only evil remains, the inner person is indescribably evil. The greedy person's corruption is complete. No room remains for God or pursuit of the kingdom and its righteousness. 
There is no more light. There is only darkness. The message translation, it puts it like this. I think this is fun. If you put blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. And so, if money is your focus, you've pulled the blinds down. If Jesus is your focus, the lights are up and the lights, or the blinds are up and the lights are on. Have we lost the ability to see correctly because we have the blinds drawn and the lights off? Are we solely focusing on money? Because if we are solely focusing on money, then we will be like the man in the house with the blinds drawn and the lights off. We won't be able to see things correctly. We'll be misinterpreting life because instead of interpreting it through a kingdom lens and a kingdom perspective based on Jesus, now we will be interpreting it through a selfish, greedy lens based off of our finances and how we can make gains here and there instead of kingdom gains. We'll try to be building up treasures on earth instead of treasure in heaven. So, Let's grab that lamp from verse 22. Let's do a little eye examination here. And let's dive into this awkward subject of our finances. What do your books reveal about your focus? That's what we need to find here. Where is our focus? So what do your finances, whether it's QuickBooks, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, if you don't budget, I'd highly suggest it. If you're young, start early. What do your books, what do your budgets suggest about your eyes' focus? What does your spending say about your devotion? What gets priority? Now, if we were fully open, fully transparent, and you were to say, hey, here's everything I spent my money on in this last month, I would be able to look at that. We'd be able to categorize it, break it down, and I'd be able to say, hey, man, eating out is really important for your family. Hey, Video games, really important for your family. Hey, hanging out with your friends, really important for you, your friends, your family. Wherever church falls into that, I would be able to see what you prioritize, whether it's an eternal scale or an earthly scale, based off of the details within that. And so what gets priority? Is it fun? Is it things? Is it wants? Is it desires? Is it impulse buys? Is it just whatever you can think of that sounds fun on Amazon in the moment? Or is it the kingdom? Is it people? Is it the local body of believers in the church? Is it gospel advancement? Matthew 6, 24 is where we end this morning. And Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so we see as believers... As followers of Jesus, remember, he's talking to his disciples. Everybody else is just overhearing it. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to follow me. If you're going to follow me, we're going to use money for the kingdom. If you're going to not follow me, then go do whatever you want with your money. That's your business. But if I am your Lord, if I am your Savior, if I am your Master, and you're following me, well, now it's my business. You can only serve one at a time. This is a full-time gig. This is you wholly submitting, being obedient to me with your life. See, Jesus is painting a picture to explain that as a disciple, you cannot be divided. You either serve God or you serve money. So this morning, 
Final questions for ourselves. Who are we serving? Are we serving God to use money for his purposes? Or are we serving money to build up treasure here on earth? And if you're a wise investor, then you would see that we have an awesome opportunity for eternal investment. You see, life is short. Even if you invest in awesome things now, you'll only enjoy them for a short time. But when we invest in eternal things, we will be able to enjoy them in the presence of God forever. Where are you investing? Follow Jesus. We use money for his purposes. If we follow money, we get used by money. We get deceived by money. And it doesn't end well. So I have three next steps for us this morning. And we will pray. And the first one is, maybe some of you need to realize God's generosity to you in Jesus. Maybe some of you in here need to realize, yes, this is a financial sermon. Yes, we are talking about money and resources. But none of that matters if we don't first give our lives to Jesus. We'll enjoy our money and we'll die. And we'll go to a place where nobody wants to go, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that place is called hell. Have you really grasped? Have you really understood the generosity of Jesus, the generosity of God the Father, that he would give his one and only son so that you could spend an eternity with him? The only thing you need to do is put your faith, your trust, and believe in him. That is generosity at its finest. For others of us in here, maybe we've put our trust in Jesus, and now our next step is giving. I would say the same thing I've been saying all morning. Trust God with what he has entrusted to you. If you're not giving anything, give something. If you're giving something, what does it look like to give 1% of your annual income? What does it look like to give 2%? What does it look like to keep sacrificing, to build that up so that God can use it to build his kingdom, so that we can be a part of displaying that kingdom, so that the gospel can be advanced? For us, we realize that for the Jewish people, God commanded them to give 10% of everything that they had. And so we sat down and talked. We said, at the end of our lives, I don't want to stand before God the Father and have to give an account for what he entrusted to us and our family and be able to say, we gave 10%. And that was exactly the minimum requirement of what you once required of your people. Now I realize Jesus set us free. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the prophets. But now we are taking the moral of that law. And I want to stand before God. I want to stand before Jesus and say, what you gave to me, I was generous with. I kept my hand open so that I could receive, but then I kept it open so that we could give out. I want to ask you to do the same. I want to ask you to really look at the things that God has given you. What does it look like to take that next step in trusting him with what he has entrusted to you? And maybe there's another person in here that has problems trusting God's provision. I want you to know, he says he'll take care of the birds in the air. He'll take care of the lilies of the fields. How much more valuable are you than the birds? How much more valuable are you than the lilies of the field? And yet, birds don't worry about where they store up their food. The lilies don't worry about whether or not they'll be dressed in beautiful color because God takes care of them. Maybe 
We've been denying ourselves financial blessing and being obedient to the Lord with what he's been given to us because we've never actually given it to him at all. And we wonder why we're struggling financially when we never trust God in the first place. Let's trust him with our lives, with our resources, and how we use them.